one, one two, two, three, three four. four. Worst we've ever done. <laughs> Come on. Oh, gosh. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Pulling Threads. Hey. Hey, what's up? Not the temperature. Yeah. It was, wind chill was 20 below this morning. <gasps> what? When I took the trash out, Ooh. 20 below. That is cold. That is Do you get cold. like icicles on your face when you walk outside at that temperature? Yeah, when Lindsay and I will go on walks at night, sometimes my stash freezes. Ooh. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, it's cold. <laughs> that was the wind chill. That wasn't the actual. Actual yeah. was like four four below or something. Yeah, it's cold though. Today we have an interview for you with Amber, who we talked to a while back. Mm-hmm. It was much warmer back then. When we talked to her, but this was a really good conversation and going back through it, kind of editing down. I just, I liked a lot of the, I liked a lot of the content of this interview. Mm-hmm. Um, she has a, a little different perspective than we did growing up charismatic. And so that was, I mean, I, yeah. I feel like I learned some stuff. Mm-hmm. You're going to learn about getting slain in the spirit. <laughs> about that specifically. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. I will say um, at the, the Air Force Base Chapel where, you know, I grew up in that church. And because it was Air Force Base, we had a variety of different services. You had your Catholic service, service oh. obviously, and the Protestant. But one of the—we had a Lutheran service. One of the services was called Jubilee, and it was like—it was black Pentecostal. It was—it's um, one of my favorite—just some of my favorite moments. Just, yeah. That's cool. I look at it, obviously, a lot different today, but— um the dynamics of the preaching were just i get i hate to use the word entertaining but that's what it was it was very entertaining all right let's go to this interview with amber and we'll see you on the other side cliff yes who do we have oh so today we have uh amber perez and um we we all actually um are connected with amber she used to teach in the same district that all of us at one point taught in and um, because Amber was a music teacher and I was a you know choir director, we did get to spend some time together. But Amber, you guys were on the other side of the tracks, yeah. So I didn't <laughs> I didn't get to spend the other side of town, so I didn't get to spend as much time. But got to know Amber a little bit. But I I, I will say it wasn't until after I came out, um, and Amber reached out to me, uh, you know, on a couple different occasions, um, just to offer her support and and love and to share a little bit of her um, own story, which we'll, we'll get into now. Hi, Amber. Hi. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you. I love the show. We're glad I'm you're here. avid fan. I listen every week. <laughs> cool. Well, thanks. Well, so yeah, welcome to the podcast. If you'll start off, just tell us a little bit about your background. Okay. Tell us about your sweater. <laughs> okay, well... Um, my first thing is my mom, is, she was raised as a pastor's kid, and you know how those are. So she, uh, <laughs> I do. I do. so mostly when I was younger, we kind of, uh, she, I think, was tired of the church scene herself growing up as a very, in a very strict, you know, Assemblies of God pastor also in the Latin district. So somewhat different too, in, in terms of like how strict they are. And so she kind of was tired of that. And, um, 
by the time she had me and my brother, she kind of, we didn't go to church very often, but she still had all these um, religious things that she, you know, believed in and was teaching us. Some of them um, very, you know, I guess legalistic and some just her personal, you know, relationship with God. But so she would teach us that, but we would only go to church like once a month or holidays. But every time we went, it was Assemblies of God. And um, which if you don't know much about Assemblies of God, it's very into, it's, it's a Pentecostal denomination, very into spiritual giftings and um, things like that, that you read in the Bible that I know some denominations don't really practice, but um, very big on that. So so I, I got some feedback this week from some people who did not grow up in the evangelical world, but listen to our podcast. And one of the things they said was they want us to explain more about, like we use a lot of evangelical speak uh-huh. on this in okay. here. Yeah. And so when you say spiritual giftings specifically, what do you mean by that? So in the Bible, it talks about the gifts of prophecy and um, speaking in tongues, uh, mostly those two are what they focus on. Um, so prophecy is like, you know, saying that you feel like God is telling you something to tell somebody else or speak into their life. And then speaking in tongues is like a spiritual language that, um, if done correctly, I learned later needs an interpreter, but, um, that's kind of like, it's kind of probably considered very strange to a lot of people that are outside of it. But for those who grow up in it, it's It's like a very normal. Yeah. It's, it's like an emphasis on the Holy Spirit, right? Correct. So like the Holy Spirit kind of takes over in yes. a way and is speaking. It's like Christian whatever you say. superpowers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah. Yeah. That okay. is somehow condensed into a certain denomination and church. Yes. taking a spiritual gifts <laughs> test, though, in my church oh. where it would like tell you your spiritual gifts. Oh. But we, I, Southern Baptist, though, it's like. <laughs> Yeah. Well, if you got speaking and... in tongues, they yes. would explain it a different way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. I don't really mean like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like, they would have, like, lots of slaining in the spirit, which means, like, you pray for someone and they fall out on the floor. And it kind of is one of those things that I think in the culture you just kind of adapt to and you kind of fake it till you make it. I, I assume for that's how it was for me. But, um, you know, yeah. and then it. Did you, I mean, did you guys have revivals? Oh, yes. Yeah, so you Very got to often. be firsthand witness of some of the <laughs> yes. the hands-on. Oh yes, did yeah. you ever get slain in the spirit? All the time, yes. <laughs> um, I would say there was only one t- because I somehow I've always been this person, and probably like a lot of you, who's like you just want to be true to yourself. You know, um, I think that's kind of what probably sets us on this path. You know, but that I I always felt like I'm not gonna fall out in the spirit unless I feel. Like it's real, you know, so people would, I, people would literally, my husband and I talk about this all the time, lay hands on you and kind of like push you backwards. (laughs) And my husband makes this hilarious joke about how he was like resisting and not letting them push him down. But so a lot of times I think that it, of course I would be overcome with emotion and, um, and so I would fall and connect with God, I guess. And that's how I was feeling in that moment. There was only one time where I felt I, it, it kind of was out of my control because I can't really explain it, but I was out in the spirit for longer than I realized. So I was just crying and praying. And, um, my mom was praying over me at church and I didn't realize how much time had gone by. That's the only experience I had where it felt a little bit more real, I guess, than other times. 
That's a pretty intense experience, yes. though. Yeah, like how old? Like were just you? to to do that on a weekly basis. Oh, that's yes. a lot. Every week there was some sort of altar call and you know life changing spiritual encounter. But yeah, yeah. I was pro- that time that that happened. I was I think twelve, eleven or twelve. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that kind of reminds me of in Carly's episode, just like prepping to like have the pastor emotionally take you on a roller coaster. But this is like interactive yes you know yeah. Yeah. on the roller coaster yes <laughs> wow yeah okay so that's how you kind of yeah so I I kind of grew up like that I, I started going more actually because I really enjoyed music like many of you and I loved the live music and singing along and so I would actually start asking my mom can we go to church this Sunday like instead of us sleeping in so we started going a little more often and then I had some friends invite me to youth group when I was like preteen and that's when I was like totally in and I joke about how I got saved like every week because they would say I didn't quite understand and they would say like do you want to ask Jesus into your heart and I would be like well yeah of course so every time they would ask me that I would ask him into my heart again thinking that he left I guess and then would bring him back in again but so I kind of didn't quite understand things but I knew that I I liked the I guess the comfort of it. Cause we had our own family issues at home that we were going through and it felt, you know, comforting for me. So it was more of like a, a place to feel more peace. And, you know, I guess somebody was telling me that, that there was this being there for me and knew, understood everything I was going through. So that's when I was really, um, all into it. And then, um, when we really, really got super into church, it became my life was when my brother, they actually found um, some stuff in his room that they made him realize that he was gay. And he told he told my parents that, you know, he was gay. And, um, of course, to my mom, that was like a sin and that she was worried for his salvation, going to hell. So they, I think they did it with the, the best intentions, but they brought him back to church, to the pastor, told the pastor you know, they prayed for him and then suddenly he wasn't gay anymore. And I, I believed that because I was all into this, you know, church lifestyle and what people told me I believed. And so at that point I was like, okay, he's not gay anymore. And, um, then he became super into church too. I think he, he later told me because he was trying so hard to change that he, and when my brother is all into something, it doesn't matter what it is. It's like, he's a hundred percent devoted. So he started reading his Bible and following everything to the T. I make fun of him now because of where he's at now spiritually, because he would like, he would make me only listen to Christian music. We got rid of all my backstreet boys. Um, he made me watch (laughs) Pat Robertson on after school. We could only watch Christian TV. He was like going through this, like, well, if the Bible says this really, you know, is this your uh, older or young? He's older. older brother? He's my only brother. He's two years older than me. Yeah. Okay. So um, he's always been kind of a mentor and to me too. So I was like, okay, I guess we're doing this, you know. Yeah. How old was he during this time? Like when he came out? Um, or, I was in. Or when he was found out? I think I he was probably a, either eighth grade or ninth grade. It was like hmm. by the time he got to high school, he was like known as the Christian guy type of thing. So I think it was probably the eighth grade or ninth grade yeah, for him. Was he known as the Christian guy who was formerly gay? No, nobody knew like 
Only the only the okay. church people. I mean, he later told me some people would make fun of him and thought he might be gay, but it was never like he never came out to anybody but my family and right. the the pastor at that time. So, um, and I didn't even get the whole story then. I just was told that, you know, they prayed for him and he was suddenly, you know, not struggling with this thing anymore. And I even remember arguing with a girl in school about it. And she was saying, I don't know how the debate came up, but about how people could change, you know, or she was saying, you know, you're born gay and, or there's, it's just who you are. And I was like, uh, no, you can change. And she was like, no, you can't. And I was like, yeah, I know someone who changed. And so I was thinking of my brother, you know, but, uh, (laughs) later to find out, you know, there wasn't like a magic wand (laughs) that made him. (laughs) So, so we're, uh, just a, a slight, so we're, we're, it sounds, we're still kind of discussing your sweater. Yes. Because even, even when that that happened with him, I, that's actually made us more, spiritual more into church more like church was our life yes even my closest friends were at church and that was kind of our our christian bubble that we were in so that was basically you know how everything seemed all easy to me it was just like whatever the bible says that's what i'm gonna do it's actually very comforting because how easy it is to just have this manual that tells you everything you need to do to get you know to heaven or but to live a right and good yeah. life. What state were you living in? Um, I was in, so part of it was North Carolina. And then that, that okay. church actually that I went to was um, somewhat cultish. I think a lot of times in the spiritual gifting area, you kind of, you kind of open yourself up for those situations a lot. But yeah, we even, I remember one day that we, we had a, we had kind of been wondering, should we be here? Cause our church started doing weird things. Like um, the pastor would say stuff like you can't, if you uh, look at your watch, you're not you're not on the Lord's time or whatever. It's like things like that, and then just some weird. It was just like free for all, whatever. So one 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 uh, Sunday night, the service was like a testimony night where like people would say what God is doing in their life. And one girl got up, one guy got up there, and he was a Marine because we lived in a military town. I grew up a Marine's daughter. Um, so, uh, this Marine gets up there, he's like 24 ish. And he's like, uh, my testimony is I met someone, I met the one that God has for me. And so everyone's like, who is it? Who is it? And he's like, it's such and such. And it was a 16 year old girl in the church. And as soon as he said that I said out loud without meaning to, I'm not staying here. And my, my brother come to find <laughs> out was saying the same thing. And we never went back after And we were very involved in that church, but we, even though, we were stuck in this bubble. I think sometimes the more into it you are, the more you're seeking for truth. And so we, we left and went to a different church because we somehow still knew that was wrong, you know, even though we were so intertwined in the whole thing. But, but yeah, so then we moved to Texas and I found myself in another cultish situation, but, (laughs) but that church, my brother at that point was in college. So I, my, I I moved with my family. I was still in high school and so I was on my own here as far as church, but, um, he later moved here too. And yeah, all this time we're still very involved. And, um, even the, that church we went to here in Texas in Waxhatchee, actually it, uh, it had like several nights, you know, like you were saying revival nights, things like that, but they actually had a school of prophets. This is where you went to a class on how to prophesy. 
and they would say things like, you know, you can look at the, it's just whatever God's telling you, like you can look at the carpet and you see like the shape of a diamond and you think God is saying, you know, you're a diamond in the rough and yada, yada, yada. So hmm. things like that. And hmm. it's like one, one degree away from tarot card reading. <laughs> well, that's what basically. I'm thinking in my head. <laughs> right? I'm like, how is this different? Yeah. Because yeah. bro- hmm. it's right. in the name of Jesus. Right. We that's later talked about how. My brother was like, it's kind of scary how we had set ourselves up for these things multiple times, like how easily we were, you know, convinced. But yeah, so we, we had that, they, they would even take people to Walmart and like practice prophesying on people, which I thought later was very dangerous. Oh, yeah. Like re- re- regular like, customers, you... like go find a customer and tell them what you think God is telling you to tell them. Yeah. Which could be very, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. yeah, but even. That's intense. <laughs> yes. That is. That's interesting. Yeah, but my brother was very, um, he still was always wanting to do the right thing, you know, be in the right mindset. So even some stuff like uh, the pastor had told my brother, he had gotten really close to the pastor and the pastor flat out told him one time, you know, I'm a manipulative person. I know that that's part of my character flaws. And so he would say stuff in sermons like, if you don't trust your pastor, there's something wrong with you, you know? And so we would start, you know, believe things like that and hearing things like that. But I remember one time my brother had like, he had done this, this, uh, class, I guess at our church that was like, he, he ripped up the Bible pages of the Bible and, you know, people were like, and he was trying to, to tell people like, this is not the thing that you worship. You know, this is God's word. You know, we believe it's God's word, but we get, this is just a book with paper this literal thing, you know, um, we shouldn't be worshiping the Bible. Yes, we should be listening to it, but we get so, you know, I just remember him doing things like that. That kind of always was like challenging my, my beliefs and my think, but yeah. So it sounds like you're just from your, what you're saying so far, your brother was even more of an influence on you than your parents were in terms of your spiritual development. Yeah, because they were always, even when we got more involved, they were still always the once a month and holidays, you know, type of church goers. Like they believed, okay. my yeah. mom definitely believed in all of it, but she was not like a theologian. She didn't study the reasons behind what she believed or, you know, she just kind of, I guess, was so churched out that she just went when she felt like it. <laughs> yeah. And so your brother and then you following yes. him. You got way more into wanting to know everything about the faith. Yes, definitely. Yeah. I also learned gaslighting was one of the spiritual <laughs> gifts, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember one time my brother joking about like, because we believe the roles of women and all that kind of thing too. Like in the AG, a lot of women are pastors. That's not really um, a, an issue with most AG churches, but it is like we're still below, you know, we are... The women are under the men in the household, you know. And so my I remember my brother would joke like, Here, carry this for me. You need to practice being a good wife or whatever. <laughs> but. Yeah. Yeah. So okay, now we know a little bit about how you grew yes. up and your influences. So what kinds of threads did you start pulling? What was your if you had one or a Well, I remember uh, one of the episodes, another person kind of brought this up, how they started Bible school. And that's kind of actually funny enough how my thread started getting pulled because I was so involved in my church. I thought that everything they did was right. But once I went to uh, Bible school there, they actually started teaching me more about how to read the Bible and how you shouldn't just 
pull the scriptures out that meet the sermon, but you should just preach what the Bible says. So even that little bit of um, education for me, even though it wasn't the full picture, it still was teaching me more than what I was getting at church. And I started doing that. You know, I started reading the Bible and I was very involved in my school too. I was an RA and we, um, the RAs there, they're not just like in charge of the hall, but they actually like lead Bible studies and they're kind of like a hall pastor, you know? So I got really involved in that. And, um, I started like questioning some things my own church was doing. Um, and I remember every Sunday my pastor would preach about supernatural finances and like, I was getting so overhearing this that we need to trust God with our finances and basically, you know, the church needs money, so just trust God um, with your money and he will bless you, you know, whatever you give, he's going to bless you with. So I remember just like also hearing people at school talk about how my church was kind of crazy and I thought if other AG people are saying that your church is crazy, then it's probably crazy because like, they're also assemblies of God. They also believe these spiritual gifts and things like that. So um, that kind of made me start to question things too. And I just remember one Sunday um, I had said to myself and to God that if he preaches again about supernatural finances, I'm going to look for another church. And he did. And I, that whole service, I didn't listen to anything he said. I just wrote down what I was looking for in a church. So that was the last Sunday I went there. And then found another church that was much more balanced, but still, still assemblies of God. But, um, that was kind of those first threads getting pulled little by little. But, um, so yeah, I was kind of just, I also have always been really into the part of the Bible that's more focused, like Jesus's words on, on helping, um, the poor and giving what you have, like all that stuff. I always was like, why doesn't the church do more of this? It seems like in history, the church was this like safe haven, place to help, you know, more charitable. Other denominations I felt were more charitable too than my own. And um, so I started questioning things like that. And even at my new church, I I think it was you, Megan, that talked about how they spent money on something that you thought they could have spent somewhere else. But well, my new church, yeah, that's what it was. My new church wanted to buy this huge... They were asking for donations to bu- to build this mega cross in front of the building. And it was going to be so huge, it was going to cost all this money. I mean, it was like the, si- the, the height of the church building. And I thought, this is so silly. Like, why, why we could be using this money to help people that have needs. So I actually went to my pastor, and I was like, you know, I would love, do we have some sort of... Um, you know, department of the church that helps people's needs, you know, like does gardening for the elderly or helps at a homeless shelter. Those things were really heavy on my heart. And so I asked him like, do you have something like this? If not, you know, can I get something started? And so he kept telling me, oh, I'm going to meet with you. That's very important. I'm going to meet with you. But after we get this whole, because it was a newer church plant, after we get this done, after we get this done, well, never, I was there for years and it never became a priority. So those were just like the little threads being pulled that I was like, this doesn't feel right. You know, um, it doesn't feel like we're doing what we're supposed to be doing, I guess. So what, what other, so it, it sounds like maybe just being Christ-like was a thread <laughs> yes. you pulled and not right. seeing that represented to the level that you wanted right. at your church. Any other threads in there that you were? Um, yeah, my brother about? still kept challenging me. He had actually moved to Austin and helped start a church plant 
And so, you know, Austin is already more, a little more liberal and, um, free thinking. And so he would start to ask me like, you know, why are you against drinking? And I'll be like, um, I would kind of make excuses because I started, you know, hearing things too, like maybe it's not a sin, but it's still dangerous to introduce it into your life, you know? So in my head, I was making these excuses and I would tell, I would, I told him one time, like, I just want to be able to die and say, I never try to drink, you know? And he's like, well, that sounds kind of like prudish or whatever. And I was like, no, (laughs) I was like, that's just okay. (laughs) Well, then I started trying to like figure out, yeah, that is, that is kind of like, oh, look at me. I didn't touch a drop of alcohol. And I I forgot to to touch on the fact that I was very much like that that person that everybody hates that like I was a very a big prude <laughs> very legalistic my friend my closest friends I would <laughs> yeah. yeah that's why I said <laughs> amen that's why I said I related to everybody's episode in some way because yeah I would like my friends would laugh because it was a it was a joke but now that I think about it I'm just like how do I get past this image that I created in myself but I would like slap slap oh, their man. mouths if they cussed and like I was like the mom of the group, you know, like everyone was struggling uh-huh. with all this sin. And I was like little Miss Perfect over here and ready to tell you when you messed up because I loved you, you know, so. <laughs> <laughs> all, yeah. in, all in love, all in love. Yes. Well, if your brother at this point is questioning you as to why you, um, while you're against drinking alcohol, it sounds like based on what you've already shared that he was pulling on some threads himself. If he had come to the conclusion that maybe drinking alcohol is not yeah, a Yeah, I think once he moved, he started, because he wasn't in this, not as many people knew him, he started like really, mm-hmm. him and his roommate actually, who is still um, super Christian, but very like loving and open and, you know, non-judgmental type. He was able to like, they. I didn't know behind the scenes, they were, going through this whole thing together as roommates, like taking apart the scriptures and figuring out what they believed about mm. homosexuality. Cause little did I know that my brother was still struggling with that, you know? So that was kind of where, why Jeff was like pulling on all those threads because he was, he was still hurting and like trying to change and it wasn't working. So he was trying to figure out a way, I think to be okay with who he was. So, so tell us more about that then. Did, did how did that how did you come to realize yeah, that? so that was my big unraveling it kind of just happened overnight what he uh, had come to me one day and he told me you know I need to tell you something um I'm gay and I think it's okay I don't think it's a sin I don't think I'm going to hell for it I think you can he's like if you feel like you need to pray for me that's okay um but I've done everything I can to change. I've sought counseling, pastoral counseling. I've prayed and either I accept it or I will be so unhappy that I, I won't want to live anymore. He could just feel himself getting to that point of hating himself so much, you know? So it's like instantly, I don't know, like I told you guys, he's my spiritual head. So as soon as he was okay with that, I was like, well, I don't think you're going to hell. There's no way. I, I've known you my whole life. I know who you are. I know that what you say is true. If you tell me, because he's an all in kind of person that he tried to be different, then I believed him, you know? (laughs) So at that point I was like, it's okay to be gay. And I guess I believe that now, you know? And so I still believe the Bible, but I think (laughs) even my brother, we kind of were leaning towards the, there's a way to explain that being gay is okay. 
even if you believe the Bible. So I don't know if you guys heard of the um, Fish Out of Water um, documentary, but it's about, um, it's basically a scriptural support of being gay. Um, And I don't know how accurate it is, but at that time, it was enough for me to be like, oh, I can still believe in the Bible and still believe it's okay to be gay. But I kind of was in the closet with that thought because I was still in a Bible college, you know, and even after I graduated, my husband's uh, family, they are pastors. And um, so it's like I didn't want to cause any, I'm also a big, huge people pleaser. So it's like I didn't want to cause any, ruffle any feathers, you know, so I didn't really tell, I don't, I didn't tell many people at that time that I believed it was okay, you know. So that was my huge one where I just started, I guess once you start believing something differently about the Bible that you believed your whole life, it opens up, you know, the chance to think, oh, well, maybe this is wrong and this is wrong and all the things that don't make sense, it's okay for them to be wrong, you know, (laughs) but... So do you remember like what was next for you? Like after that, after that moment, what yeah, was so another? So after that, I still went to church and I actually started r- noticing my way of thinking was changing. Like I was praying for my brother to find a spouse. Like that's how much I still believed in God and believed it was okay. Like I was actually praying that he would find a spouse, a male spouse. You know, it wasn't like I was trying to pray away the gay I was just saying I want him to be happy God I know you just like I would pray for anyone who is straight I, I, I know there's someone out there for them for him so that started changing in me and then it was I would start to get in a little bit of debates with people on Facebook and things like that about how they would just flat out say that it's wrong it's a sin and I would try to explain that maybe it's not you know so I was it was getting kind of like frustrating especially here in the Bible Belt, you know, South, being so different with that thought, then I feel like you, you know, you come out in your own way. I think like Carter said, you know, when you start, even though we don't struggle with sexuality, like just coming out with struggles of our own faith, you know, what we believe in. So I started just, all that started happening. And then my bre- my husband, he was raised Assemblies of God also, was at church every, almost every day, pretty much, because he was a pastor's kid. So they would have like Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday prayer, Tuesday youth. They had like something on every day. And because he was pastor's kid, he was there every day. So for him, I feel like he never really had that moment like I had where it's like, I felt God calling me in some way to this faith. His was like, this is your faith you're growing up like, you know, you don't really have a choice because you're basically born saved, you know? So, um, once my brother came out, that kind of started my husband's unraveling too, because he loves my brother. And, um, I think for, for my husband, it was like, Oh, maybe I don't have to believe all this because he always struggled anyways, believing it. So he just flat out was like, I'm not going to church anymore. (laughs) So he stopped going to church. And what was funny is like, for me, it it put me in a really like almost depressing state, depressive state where I was, when I would go to church, I wasn't necessarily worried about his soul as much as how I didn't like the feeling that people were worried about me looking at me like, is your marriage going to survive? I even still have friends that are worried about me because my husband is way more outspoken about he's agnostic, actually slightly leaning towards atheist. And I, I'm just still figuring out. We'll get to that later. But um, we're, 
I'm not boisterous about it because I don't like, like I said, I don't like to hurt people's feelings or I don't want to take away somebody's faith because I know what it feels like to go through this whole process. But, um, so, but for my husband, he just kind of stopped going and I didn't want people feeling sorry for me. And so I was worried about it. I worried it was going to affect our marriage. And then I kind of felt like a piece about it later. I was just like, almost like God was saying, it's not your job to change him. Like I know who he is and where he's at and just let me handle it. So then after that, I stopped, we stopped arguing about it and come to find out, you know, you can have a marriage with two different faiths and and it could be fine, you know? Um, but yeah, I would worry like when we have kids, like what are we going to teach our daughter and all this stuff that I worried about that, you know, growing up, you know, we learned, learned about being unequally yoked and, uh, even scriptures about if your spouse is not, you know, saved, you technically could leave them if you wanted to and, or if you felt like you needed to. And so just these things like in my head that, um, but that whole process too kind of, but I did ask my husband, like, if, if we choose a different church, will you go with me? And so he said, yes. So I actually started going to, um, a church in Deep Ellum called Life in Deep Ellum lied for short. I don't know if you guys have heard of it, but, uh, awesome church. I haven't been in a while cause it, since COVID happened, you know, I use that as an excuse not to go anywhere. And then I had a daughter. And so that really <laughs> got me off going on Sundays, but, um, I really liked it when I was going there regularly because it's, um, their motto is a place where, um, I might get this wrong. I think it's where nobody fits, but everybody belongs or something like that. And the whole premise is that it's basically full of people who are questioning. It's okay to question. Um, It's okay if you believe differently than the person you're sitting next to. There's an area, you know, for Catholic people to light candles, but then there's other people on the other side lifting their hands in worship. So it's like just kind of a mixture Mm. of, you know, whatever you... Yeah, I thought that was really beautiful because mm-hmm. um, it was telling me it was okay to have questions. And then eventually they actually lost um, quite a few members because they came out as um, all-inclusive. So they said, you know, we're not going to say whether or not we believe it's okay to be gay because we don't know. But we think it's okay if you believe it's okay type of thing. And so gay people could serve now on staff. And um, they basically said kind of what I believe now too is like like it's all confusing I feel like God knows it's confusing if God is out there and so it was it's just like a place where it's okay to be you nobody's gonna hold it against you if you have questions but yeah um that's interesting that you say that Amber Nate had um a very uh recent um I don't know what you would call it Nate but where he and his you know, there, was, there was an attempt. There was, there was an, an attempt, attempt to go to church. Tell us about it that. It wasn't going to be the whole family. We, we weren't going to do that to our kids. It was just <laughs> going to be my wife and me. We were going to we were going to check out a church, and we, we looked at their site, and it was kind of similar to what you said. You know, just it, it seemed kind of an open place, and you could come wherever you were on your journey. Uh, but with me, there's still some emotional block because we, like, woke up, and we were like, we're doing this, and we got dressed, and we're doing this, and then we were sitting there in the living room, and I looked at Lindsay and... She was like, yeah, I don't think I can. I was like, I can't either. So you didn't so make it out not, the door. We're not there yet. We did not make it. Yeah. Hey. But that's cool that you. you yeah, did because find I think that, I growing up like we did, it's just like once once you're out of that, it's like you kind of feel a little bit lost, or you still want that community. Um, I think I said, 
you know, listening to y'all's podcast, it feels like that feeling of, of listening to a sermon and feeling like you're working on something for that week to get better at, you know, but in this way, it's just, it's a different kind of healing, you know, and so you kind of crave that community. And sometimes church is one of the few, it's a, it's a unique place to feel like you fit in somewhere, I guess, you know. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And I read, you know, you filled out the form, the, on our website, plug for the form on our website. If you have anything you want to talk about, please go fill the form out. But I, you know, I was, one thing you talked about was the sadness involved in leaving the faith. And yeah, you do like church, it, it fills so many needs, like social, emotional needs for people. And, and it becomes so much of who you are. Like you were, you were the mother mm. of your friend group, you know, you were the one smacking people on <laughs> the mouth. When they swore. Uh, but, you, you know, like you, you just developed this identity within that place. So it's not just the, the social connections and everything else, but it just becomes so much a part of who you are and how you find your worth and all of that. So I, I definitely get there's, there, you know, it's extremely sad. Um, mm-hmm. It's a sad process to detach yourself from all of that and try to intertwine yourself. Yeah, from, and I think we're that taught world. that our identity is in Christ. So once that's gone, it's like, who who am I then, you know? Why am I here? <laughs> that was my whole purpose, yeah. you know, to save <laughs> yeah. everybody. Yeah. I have received that uh, that message many times since I came out and it begins to, since I began to speak out is okay cliff yada 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 but do you identify in christ and it's like to the point where it's such a frustrating question it's like no i identify (laughs) as a white man born homosexual like a human being that's how i identify i don't even know what you mean anymore when you say identify with if i wanted to identify with christ i would do things like feed the hungry, mm-hmm. clothe the poor here. You know, that's how I would want to identify with being a Christ, a Christ in a mm-hmm. Christian. Mm-hmm. Sorry. No, I, Went on I a rampage. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, that makes sense. Identity in Christ. <laughs> yeah. Jesus well, and Christ. then you have some people. <laughs> yeah. Him. It's trying to make people feel bad. Like you were talking before about, I think also one of the parts about leaving the church when you have that kind of legalistic or perfectionist tendencies because you wanted to follow everything to the T and you're worried about what people mm-hmm. are thinking about you. It like like you said, there's a sadness with like feeling like yeah. people feel sorry for you when you are beginning to right. not feel sorry for yourself. <laughs> yeah, you know, you feel like you're it's kind you, of a. Like, oh, I don't yeah. feel sorry for myself anymore, <laughs> yeah. but I'm sad because yeah. people feel sorry And because, sorry like, for we me. all feel like we're the best version of ourselves we have been so far, and other people think we're backsliding or that we need something that they have, you know? It's very, you don't realize that when you're in it how, yeah, how Falling just from conceited grace. that is in yeah. general, but, <laughs> yeah. So, but I did, I, I did have a moment I was going to tell you guys about that my husband, things like this too, like if you now now if you ask me, um, you know about my faith, I'll be honest and tell people. But I'm not blasting it all over unless it's asked of me, or if something comes up and it's hurtful or harmful in somebody's beliefs, I'll I'll t- I'll open up my mouth about that. But I'm not just 
you know, I'm not at Cliff's level yet where I'm purposely posting things because I got so stressed out when I was doing that sometimes that I was like, okay, I'm going to just touch on it when I feel really um, hurt by what someone says. But my husband is not like that. He, he follows this girl on TikTok. She's a atheist. She is so sarcastic in her, um, you guys might, I don't know if you, I don't remember her name on there, but she's just like, Oh really? You know, just very like, you're an idiot if you believe this. And so my husband shares that stuff all the time. (laughs) He doesn't care that his family is, you know, this is their life still. And where I'm just like, that's very hurtful to people who are still in this. You know, we just very different in our, he's like, he tells me social media Mm -hmm. is my outlet to express how I feel about things. So we just have different views on that. Right. Well, he posted one of those um, things and the girl was talking about how ridiculous it is that we believed that Job, that God would kill Job's family, take all this stuff away from him. Basically, she's saying, if that's your God, like, why would I want to follow him? And so one of his family members messaged him and said, I hope that God doesn't try to teach you a lesson by doing that to your daughter. And yeah, so at that moment we were like, and that's when I'm like taking my hoops off, you know, I'm like, excuse me, that's my <laughs> child. You know, like if, if you, the moment God yeah. decides to do that, to teach my husband a lesson. And meanwhile, I'm losing my child. That's the moment where, yes, I am a full blown atheist at that point. If that's the God that you're telling me to believe in, you know, so things like that. And then like, there's a scripture I always tell people at lot at life in deep Elm, the pastor talked about her view on the Bible was that um, it was written at a different time and it was the way people understood the world at that time. So it doesn't necessarily mean not not, not that it's evil, I guess, but that like, it's not, we, this is so many years later, so we shouldn't be reading it like it still applies in some ways. So like there was a scripture that talks about if a man rapes a woman, then he should take her on as his wife. And so I asked people, raise your hand if you believe that God really said that. Because I feel like people have a hard time saying, well, yeah, God definitely said, I mean, I could just go rape a woman and she just has to be my wife. You know, like that's so ridiculous. So she was basically saying like, I don't feel like anybody really believes that. And maybe that was just their understanding at that time. And so we don't have to take everything so literally, you know, if you want to believe in the Bible, it doesn't have to be this literal, go rape a woman and she becomes your wife, you know, so the, or go kill the homosexual. Exactly. So, which is, yeah, you know, or people that like when they used to, you know, burn witches at the stake and things that we know are wrong now. It's like, you don't, you think that we, everyone, people think we've just arrived at, uh, the, all the answers, but we're still learning, you know, and figuring things out. So that's kind of, I guess, how all everything kind of came unraveled. Hmm. I had a memory while you were talking uh, about when I was living overseas, we were missionaries and uh, was kind of starting to question everything. And one of the guys I was with, he had a young son who got super sick, super sick. And this guy told me this, um, that they were going to come back to the States for health care and because they, they were afraid their son was going to die. And the guy who was the director of our region of the world came and met with him. And he was like, have you ever considered that maybe God's asking you to be Abraham right now and sacrifice your son? 
That's and I was, I was like, what the <laughs> fuck? What, what am I a part of right now? And I was like, it was a, one of those, Ooh. one of those definite, like, oh, I, I don't think I'm cut out for this. Yeah, <laughs> this is not for me anymore. It was like another kind of rung on that ladder of me climbing out of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we criticize other faiths for being so violent, but it's like, I mean, if you just open a, any page. In our book, you're you're gonna mm-hmm. see a lot of that same violence. Well, and we get so used to something, like uh, you were talking about how you were at that one church and there were some things that were making you uncomfortable. But this was when you're weekly going up there and people are like getting slain in the spirit and speaking in tongues. That was your sweater. You were accustomed to that, but then a little variation and you're like, no, this is outside the lines. We like, mm-hmm. yeah, we have our we have our lines that we're comfortable with, and then everything else is odd or weird, you know. But we, if we objectively looked at our own, we'd be like, okay, all of this yeah. is weird. Exactly. And even just some of the common theology amongst the denomination, we we look at mm-hmm. other faiths like yeah. Mormonism, or and we think it's weird. And here we are <laughs> worshiping a baby who is born in a manger by a woman who didn't have sex. And, you know, I, it, we've got plenty of, well, not anymore, but pl- there's plenty of weird stuff in this camp yeah. That, yeah. that is, I would imagine, is very hard for people to digest. Yeah. And also very, um, very similar to pagan rituals mm-hmm. that took place at the turn of the you know millennium. Yeah. But, I heard anyway. someone say, I used to correct people all the time, too, that would say, oh, they're not Christian, they're Catholic. And I'd be like, no, ca- Catholics are Christians. <laughs> like Things like that, too, where yeah. one denomination is somehow not going to heaven and another is, you know. But, right. Yeah. yeah, what's that, like in the Assemblies of God, what's the, what's the view on that that you um, grew up so, thinking? Like as far as like how you get saved or salvation yeah Yeah, i'm just so that definitely you live every day like you can lose your salvation which is why i got saved every week Mm -hmm. um so like okay i was gonna say (laughs) when you were talking about Mm -hmm. being asked to accept christ every week and that's because that faith believes that you could lose your salvation right right? that you could fall yeah and so they didn't necessarily like the whole like asking jesus into your heart thing that's supposed to be like a one-time thing but like if i sinned and then i died I believed, we believed you could go to hell. So let's say I'm super perfect and then all of a sudden I lust after somebody and then I die. I There's a chance I went to hell, you know, like that type of living. And so, oh yeah, I mean, that comes with so much of, you know, trying to be perfect at all times, always asking God to, yeah. you know, even if I have an evil thought, you know, even your thoughts can be sinful. Like just a lot of trying to be good enough and um yeah never really quite reaching that but outside of that uh, similar to the baptist way of salvation yeah. right you have a inner death and spiritual resurrection yes, and you die you to yourself go through baptism yeah to, everything that to you pick, yeah represent every, your identity is literally in christ so you are not your own you are whoever he wants you to be you train yourself to think i find lots of notes from like sermons and stuff and and it's just like train train your mind to think like christ and just all these basically you are that's why when i came out of it i was like well who am i because i thought i my whole identity is whatever christ put inside of me you know so 
that would be, I think, even more of a legalistic perfectionist route of the faith. Because if you're thinking that you're, if you sin, then you got to, mm-hmm. you know, hurry up and yeah. <laughs> uh, repent or ask for salvation again. Because in our tradition, I think it was kind of like one and done. And you're like, yeah, I'm good. And with, the, with the spiritual <laughs> giftings part, I always thought like, I always thought I never questioned God or God's being real, but I questioned if I was like, I had these thoughts. I remember ever since I was young thinking that God forgot about me because I wouldn't mm. feel these things that people were talking about. Like when it came to spirituality, like I wasn't hearing, you know, his voice or like these things I was taught to seek out. I felt like, well, God is real and he's doing these things, but he's not doing them for me. So maybe he forgot about me, you know, little come to find out later, probably everybody is wondering that same thing, you know, and we just don't talk about it because we're not allowed to talk about it, you know. So you've already alluded to this, but uh, kind of where, where are you now? So I was going to ask you that question. I was also going to ask you how your brother's doing. Yeah. So now I'm still like, I think I'm at the point where I'm choosing to believe in something because in my mind, I, I think I know there's a chance there's nothing out there, but I've always been like this very spiritual person. Like I've always had comfort in prayer and worship. So to be honest, I told my husband the other day, I was, we've been going through something here because my daughter just started daycare and it's been really hard for me and my husband. We're the ones bawling, not her. Uh, (laughs) So like, just like knowing, like, is she too young? Like just circumstances I'm I'm still teaching. So having to put her in the, the district's daycare, it's like where I'm questioning, like, is this the right thing? So I put on a worship song when we're on a road trip. Right. And my husband, my husband, I thought he was sleeping and he woke up and I, so I changed it, you know, cause I didn't want to aggravate him. He's like, you don't have to change that. And I was like, okay, yeah. Cause worship music is like my cigarettes. <laughs> like it just calms me down. <laughs> so like, even though I don't necessarily believe all the words they're saying, <laughs> those chord progressions still, like, brings are very, me comfort. <laughs> and those melodic hooks are very there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and just like the, especially the songs that talk about letting it go and trusting God, or in my sense now, more trusting that it's going to be okay. Like that kind of stuff comforts me. And I even, I'm embarrassed to say this, don't judge me too hard, but like I'll listen to like Bethel worship and they're like, I don't know if you ever researched Bethel, the people, but they're pretty terrible now. But like in their stances, like Trump supporters and um, just big like on, the things that all of us now feel like are not great, but their worship music I always have really connected to, you know? So sometimes I just go back to the same songs I always loved. And <clears throat> so, so yeah, I guess I'm at this point where I still pray in, in case someone's there for me, you know, and I still um, listen to worship music sometimes. And I'll probably still, I'll probably eventually go back to my church once we're more open to, you know, being out in big crowds and stuff. But I think there's always something in my mind that's like, you know, maybe it's not real, maybe it is, but for me, it's like a coping thing. It helps me when, you know, when I have anxiety, things like that. So, um, but what really, I was holding on a little bit to just the idea of Jesus, but then I read this book, which if you're holding on to just Jesus, I do not recommend you read read this book. It's called Zealot. I don't know if you've heard of it, but, um, it's by Reza Aslan. And, um, so that, 
book will make you let also <laughs> let go of Jesus. And if you don't want to let go of Jesus, don't read this book. But it's basically more of a who Jesus really was. And, you know, it kind of is making me more of like Jesus is totally this guy that I respect as far as like his civil rights movement and his what he stood for. But is he is he God? You know, is he somebody that I'm worshiping? And I'm really not sure. I'm still I'm at this point of just questioning, but I'm okay with that. Like I'm I'm I don't necessarily believe in hell anymore. So that also helps me just like be more at peace with um, there's not so much pressure to be. I'm not being forced to believe in something. I'm just trying to figure it out. And I feel like if God is real, like he understands how hard all this is. And he's there to be like, no, I feel like he's, I've told people before that, um, I feel like the people that should be more afraid of God are the ones misrepresenting him and the ones killing people in his name or, you know, saying God hates fags or even just, you know, love the sinner, hate the sin. Like all that stuff to me is that's taking God's name in vain. You know, that's that's scary to me. That's the thing I'd be looking out for lightning bolts, you know, (laughs) but so, yeah, I think I, it's, I believe in God sort of not totally sure. (laughs) No, I think that's right on. And, and really no shame at all in the whole listening to because the three of us still dabble into uh, there. There's a, there's a connection that will always be there. Even just the, the hymns, right. You know, so Mm-hmm. It's hard to give that yeah. stuff up for whatever reason. It just is. Yeah. Cigarette yeah. addict. <laughs> well, especially for all of us, all four of us have connection to music. Wow. So. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well. Uh, I know. Me too. Is there anything else I want to ask? Yeah, I was just anything? thinking. I'm. Um, Thinking about the whole arc. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, I feel like you covered everything. I had some things written down from your um, your form, but you've really covered everything. The only thing you didn't touch on, uh, but I don't know if it really fits, was um, I, I just, I liked when you said you do, you're trying to raise your daughter, like, not to feel like she has to work for your love or for God's love. And I think that's a big deal for all of us like still kind of deconstructing it's finding Mm -hmm. we were always told we're nothing apart from christ and so now that we are apart from christ in what to whatever degree well let's let her speak to that so um amber you mentioned that you have a daughter now how does this um how does your deconstruction make you think about raising your own daughter yeah so um before i you know when i was still pretty much in the faith, but starting to deconstruct, I, you know, we had those questions like, what do we, I've asked my husband, like, can I take her to church? And, um, so we have had conversations like that because he's pretty much atheist and I'm still, you know, holding on. And so I told, I've told him, I want her to have, you know, some kind that comfort, that community. Um, so we agreed that as long as it was at a place like my current church where, you know, they're not, they're not going to teach her the things that we don't like about the faith. Um, but we would always raise her to, to believe like, this is what mommy believes. This is what daddy believes. And when you're, as you grow, you're going to figure out what you believe, you know? So 
I think that's something we weren't taught, you know, it's like, this is what you believe and that's it. And so I think her having that, um, will make her more well-rounded, but yeah, teaching her that and teaching her, I really loved what, um, I can't remember what episode it was, but one of the ladies on the show said that she also didn't want to shelter her kids from church. Like we, you know, we were, we were sheltered from the world and look, and that made us extreme in some way. And then, but to shelter from the church or at least Christianity and the whole idea, because we do have this whole side of our family, you know, my, my mom and dad now are kind of in, in the same boat as me. So they're, they're more open-minded about it. But, um, my husband's family, they're still pastors and like, we love and respect them. And so I want her to know like what the faith is about. And I also want her to be ready to guard her own mind, you know? So it's like, you want, I do want to teach her some of the things I like about the faith and to, I be able to, you know, stand against the things that she feels are not right. So that's kind of where our idea, like I was joking the other day about how I don't think she even knows this is going to make some people sad that are listening, but she doesn't even know like how to pray, like what prayer is or closing her eyes before a meal, you know, like she's never around that. So she doesn't even know what that is. It's just things like that. I'm like, Oh, maybe I should kind of educate her on at least the culture, you know, that whole, that whole side of things. Yeah, I asked my daughter a couple of years ago, I think she was in sixth grade at the time, to explain the the nativity scene to me. <laughs> oh, man, it was all over the place. And I felt like there was like Chewbacca was involved at some point. It, was, <laughs> yeah, it got weird. Yeah, she couldn't do it. So, yeah. And it's sad, it's sad that it's sad, if that makes sense. Like, there's a sadness about that because of the emotional connection. I don't know. It's well, just sad maybe... that it has to be yeah. sad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think Amber's right, though. Like, there will be people who are saddened by the fact. Yeah. You know, but I like sure. how it's you're very much a part of our lives. Like yeah. Educating mm-hmm. them on these topics, not like indoctrinating them to believe these exact things. Mm-hmm. But hey, this is what some people right. believe. This is what people think prayer is. This is, you know, looking at yeah. it as an. Uh, from the viewpoint of education as opposed to <laughs> right yeah Ta- taking yes. them to a clothing there store rather than just giving them a sweater right like, yeah yeah, yeah. nice yeah <laughs> yeah i think it's to... funny go, go ahead, ahead. Oh, i was just gonna say i think it's funny how you know like now that because of where we live you know i feel like it's much more prominent then if we were to go to Europe, a church in Europe, you know, like things are just so legalistic here. And so like a certain way, like I even had, I, I was laughing and came home and told my husband that one of my students, they were, we were talking, we got on the subject of heritage and it was Hispanic heritage month. And they were joking about, um, or it was funny cause they weren't understanding what heritage was. Like I was trying to tell them that none of them are a hundred percent native American and they're like, yeah, I was born and raised here, you know. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. Like, I try and tell them, like, back where our country comes from. And this innocent little first grader said, um, so do we, like, who was the first person born? And I was like, oh, yeah, we don't really know that because that was so far back. It just came out of my mouth, you know. <laughs> and then had uh, I been in another, my other district, that would have been a problem. But yeah. my school is very diverse, so everyone has different beliefs. But one girl said, 
yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. It was Adam. It was Adam. And I just totally ignored her and kept, you know, <laughs> on with the lesson. I was, I was just like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about, but <laughs> just things like that. But someone else brought up a good point that Adam was not actually born anyways. So I kind of was right. Oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yep. But yeah. I, I haven't heard anyone like you talk about your husband, your husband's an atheist, but you're still, you know, I don't know. We need a we need a good phrase or a good adjective <laughs> like to use for or a noun for those people. Yeah. Like I think my wife's in that camp. I think Megan to some extent is there. Mm-hmm. Like well, what's a what's a word that would yeah, describe those people? Yeah. You know. mean that spurt just the type of kind person. of relationship or Well, that's no, 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 we the people have who said, haven't uh, yeah. Oh. Like we still like, are holding on to something. Question. I know, I We're the LGBTQ community. We're questioning. Uh, optimistic, <laughs> agnostic. Or, I don't know. Congratulations! Welcome to the club, you two. Yay! <laughs> but that. Yeah, I was thinking optimism true. needs to be in there somewhere. But yeah, then, right, but right, that right, right. that yeah, makes it sound true. like anybody who doesn't is pessimist. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it's like a progressive Christian, but it's like progressive, progressive, yeah. <laughs> progressive, yeah. emergent, hyper progressive Christian. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. <laughs> How many terms? Yeah. I think for me, like the serious question I've been um, asking myself is at one, at what point does a person get to say or have to say that they can't claim the name of Christian, right? I mean, there's such this, there's kind of a wide spectrum there. Like, obviously, the evangelical church, you can't be a Christian if you're not born, reborn, right? But then there's this whole other part where it's like, well, no, it's, it's acting like Christ. It's being a Christ mm-hmm. follower. It's wanting to live as Christ lived. Mm-hmm. And with that, okay, I, I'm a Christian. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I don't know where when I get to or when I I think that's why I kind of feel like the term is irrelevant. Using the word Christian. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm also yeah. more in the camp of like anyone. I do believe now that like, I liked what somebody said about how, like, you can, you believe what you believe when you need it in that moment, I guess. So maybe we're not all, maybe not somebody has to be the right one, but we're all right in some way when we're not hurting anybody. You know, like, you can be um, Hindu and still be communicating with God, and you can be Christian and still be communicating with God, Mm -hmm. you know. Well, let me ask you, let me ask you this, Uh, Megan, are you a Christian? (laughs) Well, to me, it kind of... Just- exactly. <laughs> it's not an easy one. Uh, Amber, are you a Christian? I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. So you you would answer it based on... What if you don't know how they feel? What if, what if you don't know? Or you say, you tell me, am I a Christian? This is what I believe. Yeah. Like that type of thing? People don't understand the language that we might use or to some people they might say okay no you're not a christian Mm. but does that really affect you and how you see yourself i don't know for me well i i want to be honest i guess I'm sure there's a part of me that's still concerned that people don't consider me a Christian. I don't know why, but 
it, because it's the people mm-hmm. who believe that you have to be born again to be a Christian and you have to be denying yourself. And it's that camp that would consider me not to be a Christian. I don't know if any progressive Christian or liturgical Christian even, except for maybe Catholics, I don't know, but yeah. would I guess go I just out of their like way to say that I'm not a Christian, business. you know? Right? <laughs> Except the Bible. I mean, says but we did create is. a podcast. Yeah, we, I mean, we created a podcast so. to talk not to have people. a discussion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we're making. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the hard part is that like they believe that if they don't reach out, then they somehow are a part of us going to hell someday. You know. Yeah. And I get that <clears throat> concern because I was that way too. You know, and that's kind of. That's why I think I have hope that people can grow, you know, because I was that person, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we all were at some point. I mean, that's, yeah. Yeah. There is the, yeah. I think if you're still in the club, though, you see someone leave and you just say, well, they were never really a member anyway. Yeah. We've talked about that <laughs> with other people. But yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Amber, I, I first of all, I just want to, you're obviously an avid listener, so thank you very much for listening to the show, and um, and I just want to thank you again personally for just the love and encouragement that you showed me, um, you know, after I came out and I began my own deconstruction and you felt like it was safe to, I, I mean, I think that it's like people like you that reached out that kind of helped put this planted this little seed of a podcast, you know, in the first place, knowing mm-hmm. that that's out there. People are needing a space yeah. to, to share their journeys and to ask questions. And, and so just thank you for being a part of this journey and thank you for coming on the show. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for having this. All right. That was our interview with Amber. Thank you for listening to that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was a, that was a fun conversation. Interesting conversation Mm -hmm. for sure. She talked about her brother a lot. So we decided next week you're going to hear from him. His name's Jeff and yeah, it'll be kind of a cool little duo, different perspectives from the different siblings. So we hope you will join us then. It's like a book, uh, I don't know. The only one that comes to mind is As I Lay Dying, where you get multiple perspectives in different chapters. There's a bunch like that. All the Light We Cannot See, that one. Uh, That's also been a a fun um, format and technique utilized on shows like Arrested Development Mm -hmm. and Frasier. Yeah. Where you get different perspectives. Same story, different perspectives. Yeah. That was the whole... um, Third, fourth fourth, season. Fourth season, yeah, of Arrested Development. Yeah, that was interesting. It got weird, yeah. yes. But yeah, it was good. Creative. Um, yeah. So that's pretty much it, right? Nothing else we need to say. No other. No other news. Um, we have an announcement. Yeah. When when Megan, Nate, and I first, um, well, I, I guess it originally started with Nate and I first. Uh, you know, uh, was considering this concept of a podcast. Um, it took us a while to to solidify exactly what we wanted our mission to be in the format of the podcast. But the ultimate goal was to create a safe space for people to come on and share their stories. Uh, not, not too long after that, Megan joined the team and, and, you know, was a valuable, uh, has proven very valuable, uh, uh, to this effort. Um, and we feel like we, we have accomplished our mission as Megan has said that we've, 
given several people with a variety of different perspectives a safe space to share their story. And, uh, and I think, uh, it, you know, we, we talked with each other and we feel like we are at a good place to at least end this particular project. I think the three of us will be working on independent projects and now we'll never see each other again. So <laughs> this was it. Yeah. This was it. We yeah. just had to have some closure and now peace out. We have peace it. out guys. Yeah. <laughs> now we can all move on with our lives. Yeah. yeah. We'll just record. We're still going to meet, like, you know, on Zoom. So if you guys are interested in that. <laughs> that would be awesome for everyone. Yeah. I have heard that people enjoy our witty banter. Yeah. Maybe we could just record this. So just, just the witty banter yeah, without I mean, the serious bits. I feel like bits. they were like, I don't really listen to the yeah. episode. I just listened to the intro and the outro, so... Well, you're in luck because <laughs> what we're producing now, well, unedited. We are not saying officially goodbye to you guys yeah. yet. We, we of course, still have uh, one, uh, you know, Amber's brother's, uh, Jeff, right? His mm-hmm. episode yeah. next week. And then we will be ending with one more episode where it's just the three of us yeah. kind of discussing this particular journey in a little bit more depth. And yeah. uh, But just wanted to give you guys a heads up. So you got three more episodes, so... Well, technically two, because they would have already pretty much finished Amber's episode by the time they hear this. Oh, yeah. And then it's, and then, yeah. Okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah. It's very important that I made, that I, (laughs) that I clarified that. I I didn't want any of them to be confused searching for this random Uh third episode. Yeah. Like the hidden track on Alanis Morissette's CD jagged or like our interview with president obama that a lot of people weren't able to find and i don't really know why yeah (laughs) it's out there somewhere (laughs) in cyberspace (laughs) well anyway again thank you guys for tuning in and we'll see you next time all right everybody bye bye courtesy laughs. All right. Yeah. I'm on to you guys. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah.